Welcome to The Dark Diaries, the podcast where the darkest stories shed the brightest light on our fears. In this episode, we delve into the tale of one of the most horrific child abuse case in history. A frail and aged woman just entered the county welfare office in Los Angeles. She looked and acted like a fragile rabbit, caught the attention of onlookers. This woman was actually a 13-year-old girl. People in the welfare office couldn't get their eyes off her, and social workers knew there was something wrong with the person. Before we begin, please make sure to subscribe and follow us. In the autumn of 1970, Dorothy Wiley and her daughter mistakenly entered the wrong room of a government building while seeking the Disability Assistance Office for the Blind. Dorothy had cataracts and couldn't see clearly where she was going. She accidentally entered the welfare office instead. Dorothy approached the reception, but the social worker's attention was immediately drawn to the strange behavior of the daughter. She hopped like a bunny and her pale and fragile frame resembled one too. Her arms and hands were curled up against her chest, combining with a timid expression. When the social worker attempted to engage the daughter in conversation, she remained mute. The welfare officers, recognizing a peculiar urgency for this situation, promptly requested an emergency surge of the Wiley household. What they discovered would unfold as one of the most disturbing and tragic cases of child abuse ever documented in the medical world. Jeannie Wiley was born as Susan Wiley to parents Clark and Dorothy on April 1957. Jeannie endured an unimaginably tragic childhood and was subjected to extreme isolation. Every single day, she was confined while being naked and tied to a potty chair. Her ability to move was only limited to just her hands and feet. When not bound to the chair, she would be restrained by a straitjacket and placed in a crib. Any attempt to express her needs led to merciless beatings by her father. In the rare instances when her father did acknowledge her existence, his communication to her were dog barks and growls. Yes, you heard it right, he was barking and growling like a dog to his daughter, almost making sure she would not learn a single word. All forms of interaction, communication, and education were stripped away from her existence. She resided in utter seclusion, with the exception of visits from her father when he brought food. She was never spoken to like a normal child. This would go on for almost 13 years. Jeannie had an older brother, John, who also suffered from abuse by their father. However, the extent of the abuse John endured was not on the same severe level as what Jeannie experienced. Jeannie's mother, Dorothy, was legally blind and could do little to stop her husband from abusing their kids. Upon Jeannie's discovery and rescue, Clark and Dorothy were both charged with child abuse. She was swiftly taken into the custody of child services and found herself within Los Angeles Children's Hospital. It was here that the medical team assigned to her case renamed her Jeannie, a name symbolizing the mythical creature trapped within a lamp awaiting release through human interaction. This title perfectly encapsulated Jeannie's life. Her existence would soon become an object of scientific and medical fascination. You may be wondering why Jeannie had to endure such circumstances and what kind of parents would subject their own child to such treatment. Jeannie's father, Clark Wiley, 
had a troubled upbringing in foster homes in Oregon. He was born with the name Pearl, named after his mother. He was constantly teased about this as a kid, and he harbored resentment towards his mother due to this. His father died while he was young, and his mother ran a brothel. His childhood was marked by loneliness. The first thing Pearl did when he became an adult was to change his name to something more masculine, hence Clark. Clark later found employment as an aircraft assembly line machinist in LA during and after World War II. He eventually met and married Dorothy Oglesby in 1944, a migrant from the Dust Bowl, who was two decades younger than him. Dust Bowls for those who do not know, is a period during the 1930s where the southern states of U.S. suffered severe dust storms and drought. Clark was a controlling man who hated noise and disliked children. Fate, however, had different plans, and children entered their lives. Tragically, their firstborn, a baby girl, died after being left in a cold garage. This should have been a warning sign that Clark was not fit to be a parent. Who leaves their child in the garage? Despite the tragedy of their firstborn, they had a second child who died two days after birth due to complications. They then went on to have a third child, John. Pearl Wiley, John's mother, took on the responsibility of caring for John. She believed Clark was unfit for the role. Pearl provided care for John until her unfortunate passing. In April 1957, Susan Wiley, the girl who would later become widely known as Jeannie, was born. Initially, Jeannie appeared to be a typical and healthy baby, showing no evident signs of developmental disabilities. However, as she grew older, delays in learning to walk became apparent. In the eyes of Clark, there arose a belief that Jeannie might have both mental and physical disabilities. This perception, coupled with Clark's own emotional turmoil following the tragic loss of his mother due to a drunk driver, led him to develop a peculiar compulsion to protect Jeannie from the outside world. Unfortunately, this compulsion resulted in one of the most severe cases of child abuse in history. After being formally charged with child abuse, Clark committed suicide right before his trial. He left behind a suicide note that said, they will never understand. The exact meaning of the note remains unknown. Possibly, it reflects his belief that isolating Jeannie was a form of protection and in her best interest, even though the world perceives it as child abuse. Dorothy, on the other hand, was eventually acquitted, as she was seen as a victim herself. Being legally blind, she lacked the ability to effectively intervene and assist her daughter. She later expressed deep regret at not being able to protect her. Very few instances of feral children, raised in complete isolation, have captivated public and scientific attention like the case of Jeannie. Her extraordinary circumstances offered a rare chance to investigate a clean slate to the critical learning period of a child. Such experiments are ethically prohibited and lacking supporting evidence. Can a child deprived of social interaction and subjected to extreme isolation still able to develop language skills? Additionally, could a nurturing environment compensate for her traumatic past? These were all questions being posed at the time. 
It was theorized at the time that early years of life are recognized as the critical period for language development, during which children effortlessly acquire language skills. However, once this critical period passes, typically between the ages of 2 to 13, acquiring language becomes more challenging. Many scientists wanted to study her case to confirm their insights into this theory. Recognizing the scientific significance, the government provided funding for a team of scientists to explore the many questions posed by Jeannie's extraordinary circumstances. Among the scientists, James Kent, a child psychologist and Susan Curtis, a linguist from UCLA, developed an exceptionally close connection with Jeannie. They invited Jeannie to stay with them in their own homes, fostering a more intimate and immersive research experience. Jeannie faced challenges in controlling her speech. She experienced difficulties with the muscles involved in chewing and swallowing, provided she was being fed a diet of only cereal, honey, milk, and eggs for most of her life. Jeannie's language skills were comparable to those of a one-year-old. Susan spent several hours weekly working on language with her. With that, she rapidly expanded her vocabulary by acquiring new words. Initially, Jeannie grasped single words like dog and sorry, and her own name. She later progressed to combining two words, a developmental milestone often observed in young children. By November 1971, about 15 months after discovery, Jeannie was able to combine three words together. However, Jeannie struggled with grammar and sentence formation. While she could utilize individual words, she encountered difficulties in constructing coherent sentences or arranging words meaningfully. She also did not understand asking questions. In normal development after children learn two-word phrases, they experience exponential expansion of their vocabulary in the next few weeks. This eventually becomes the building blocks of basic speech. Jeannie did not exhibit these milestones and quickly plateaued at combining three words after almost four years. While it was possible to acquire some language skills after the critical period, it is not possible to achieve basic speech. This also confirms that Jeannie may not have been born mentally retarded, as persons with mental handicap are not able to make the progress she did. Kent characterized Jeannie's case as the most extreme form of child abuse he had ever encountered. The prolonged period of being restrained and confined to a crib hindered Jeannie's physical development. Additionally, Jeannie displayed uncontrollable spitting and experienced difficulty in straightening her arms and legs as they remained in a bent position. Jeannie's cognitive abilities, as determined through tests, were found to be similar to those of a 13-month-old infant. Due to never being potty trained, she still required diapers. She was found to be not autistic, but she developed poor sleep due to high levels of emotional disturbance. It was reported that Dorothy would feed Jeannie at 11 p.m. as she frequently refused food from her father. Jeannie had odd sleep habits where she would sleep from 7 to 11 p.m., then wake to feed for a few minutes, then resume sleeping for the next seven hours. Jeannie also lacked an understanding of the concept of property and would take things as she pleased. Jeannie displayed a strong curiosity towards unfamiliar sounds, actively searching for their sources. However, she was easily agitated and frequently experienced outbursts. 
She had difficulty distinguishing between people and showed no signs of attachment to anyone, including her mother and brother. Her behavior was extremely challenging to control, and regardless of where she was, she consistently salivated and spat. In addition, Jeannie exhibited sexually inappropriate behaviors such as openly masturbating, which led doctors to suspect that she had been subjected to sexual abuse by her father. It was also discovered that Jeannie had difficult seeing distant objects due to being confined to a small 10 by 10 foot room for 13 years, despite having normal vision in both eyes. In 1975, due to conflicts among researchers trying to study Jeannie, she returned to live with her mother. Dorothy felt that Jeannie had been treated more as a test subject than a human being, she initiated legal proceedings against the children's hospital and various scientists that they pushed her to the point of exhaustion. Consequently, all scientists were prohibited from accessing Jeannie, leading to a deterioration of her condition. Unable to cope with Jeannie's needs, her mother eventually placed her back into foster care, where she experienced further abuse. The absence of scientific involvement raised questions about the impact of research on Jeannie's therapeutic treatment. Tragically, the prolonged period in foster care left Jeannie in a state of fear and silence, rendering her unable to speak or open her mouth. The lawsuit was eventually resolved. However, the controversy surrounding the case persists. Some argue that the researchers exploited Jeannie and failed to provide her with the help she needed. While the researchers maintained that they did their utmost to assist Jeannie to the best of their abilities. Throughout the years, there has been limited information available about Jeannie, mainly due to privacy concerns. However, in 2000, a private investigator successfully traced her to a care facility catering to adults with mental development disorders. It was reported that her communication abilities were comparable to those of her teenage years, but over time, she gradually acquired a basic understanding of simple sign language. Tragically, in 2003, Jeannie's mother passed away from natural causes. As of 2023 there is still little information on her, but she is reported to be alive and still in a care facility living the best she can. Jeannie's brother, John, faced his fair share of challenges throughout his life. He moved around the United States, residing with different family members and friends, while taking on various low-paying jobs. He also experienced brief periods of incarceration due to car theft and had a short-lived stint in the Navy, before being discharged within six months. Eventually settling in Ohio, John entered into marriage and became a father to a daughter named Pamela. However, their family life took a tragic turn as John went through a divorce after 18 years, and his daughter struggled with addiction to cocaine. John also battled health issues stemming from diabetes and endured a heart attack. He lost touch with both Jeannie and his mother, severing contact since 1982. Sadly, he passed away, and a year later, his daughter also passed away, marking a heartbreaking conclusion to their intertwined lives. That concludes this episode of The Dark Diaries. We hope you enjoyed this segment about Jeannie Wiley. Until next time, stay curious, stay brave, and stay a little dark. <laughs>